We are given one life, full of billions of small and large decisions, to be somebody, to change, to be kind, to give hope, to become a better person, and to leave a lasting impact on this planet. It is a decision to be made every single day while your heart is still beating. We've made our decision. Absence of clothing. Atheist and science-based apparel and merchandise. Donating 50% of our profits to charity. Look good and feel good, without God. Check us out at absenceofclothing.com and find us on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, and Pinterest for discount codes and other sweet swag. Speaking of discount codes and sweet swag, why don't you head on over to absenceofclothing.com, type in the promo code EVILTWINS, and you will get 10% off. Not only will you get 10% off, but you're going to do something good for the world. Please give back, people. Hey, Brad. What's up? You like beer? It's all right. Why don't you take a little swig of this, my friend? What's this? That's Sunday's Kolsch from Old Town Brewing here in Portland. Damn, that's good. Crisp, sweet, just like summertime, my friend. And you like summertime, don't you? Love it. Do you like beer now? Yes. Would you like more? Yes. Well, to find out more about Old Town Brewing, go to otbrewing.com. And they have lots of information about their amazing company and ways to get a hold of them. Cool. Check it out. otbrewing.com, baby. The information contained in this podcast is for entertainment use only. Please don't take a single word these two assholes say seriously. Amen. fucking thing you start it why don't we just have you just started it by saying that okay because we're we love our awkward <laughs> openings dude i'm so fucking excited about today me too i get to talk to like one of my heroes today which is kind of a weird thing because i don't have very many of them <laughs> but um we're talking to tim freak today ladies and gentlemen couldn't be happier couldn't be more excited so tell um, tell everyone who tim freak is so I came across Tim Freak in, I think, like 2006. Just by accident, I saw this video on YouTube called The Absurd uh, Notion of One was the name of the video. Okay. And basically, it was just this bald dude with these glasses on. I'd never heard of him before. The video was, for the time, it was pretty legit, you know? Uh-huh. And he started basically talking about this notion that everything is one. And, right and all that stuff, and we were talking about that kind of stuff when we were already kind of at that point. Oh, yeah. in our in our journey and discussing it. So, um, you know, we I think we had several different um, uh, individuals that we had been discussing and sharing with each other. Yeah, people, different teachings of different people. So, yeah, and I came across him, and I was like, wow, this just sounds exactly kind of where my mind was at at the time. And at the time, I kind of thought of that stuff as like this concept. Yeah. You know? 
it was like a thing in my mind where it just kind of made sense. Uh-huh. Or something that had been described a thousand years ago by some Hindu person, you know? Yeah. Yeah, and, and but still seems to hold true yeah. in today's world. And I don't know. It just made sense to me. And, you know, along our journey, we've had various experiences, I think, um, both together and separately that have even more confirmed mm-hmm. that for us. Mm-hmm. Not that I'm definitely not going to go out on a limb and say that I know anything that this is the way reality is, but right. it seems based on my experience mm-hmm. that this notion that everything is one thing mm-hmm. yet at the same time, everything is, you know, everything else as we know it right. is. And, and Tim freak talks a lot about that more and more recently he started. He's been talking about this idea of, paralogical thinking he calls it and basically it's the same idea that all is one yet we exist in this physical reality in a separate sort of Mm. place Mm. but it's happening simultaneously the two aren't disconnected they're they're actually the same thing yet different huh and so he think he calls that paralogical thinking and it kind of made me um you know how how it has manifested itself in my life on a personal level and how it helps me like be a better person just happened just uh yesterday actually it was kind of weird i had this experience where i was driving down the down the street and i came to this situation where i had to turn left i was at a stop sign and i had to turn left but i was going to be turning left into a stop light Mm -hmm. and there were all these cars that were backed up and so it kind of made me turn in this weird angle. And so I was cutting off the other traffic coming from my right, right? Uh-huh. And I was cutting them off, not not on purpose. I was totally doing it on accident. I didn't want to do it, but I was in a situation where I, I kind of had to you go had to get around there. them. Yeah. And um, <clears throat> there was this guy that was just honking at me, just like giving mm-hmm. me this look, like, what are you doing, you idiot? You know, and yeah. I was just looking there going, I didn't mean to. And... um. Then the traffic starts moving. The light t- turns green. The traffic starts moving. And this guy pulls up next to me. And then the, the light that we were coming to turns red. So he's literally sitting right next to me in his Lexus. He's this older guy. Had a mustache. And I looked over at him because I was hoping to get eye contact with him. Because uh-huh. I, I wanted to see what kind of interaction I could have with this dude. Um, because he was so mad at me like just a few yeah. seconds before that. And I looked at him from the side and I, and I thought, oh my God, that dude kind of looks like what I might look like in like uh-huh. 40 years, you know, yeah. or something. Yeah. He was like 70 something years old, you know, and um, maybe even 80. Um, and I just thought to myself, what if, what if this whole idea that we are all one yet mm-hmm. experiencing this life separately, what if I can visualize that guy as me? Right. And I kind of, in my mind, kind of went, okay, if he was me, and I, and meaning not me as in right. Thad Grace, but in, you know, if we're all this one thing, mm-hmm. I have to look at him as if it's me. Right. So I'm looking at him as if it was me from my perspective. Right. And I thought to myself, what would I say to myself in that situation? What would I say to this myself who just honked at me and was like angry, but maybe that version of me didn't know that it was me, uh-huh. you know? So what did you say to yourself? Um, I, I just kind of thought I'd probably just get make eye contact and just kind of like chuckle 
like kind of yeah. shake my head. Yeah, sorry. And then just kind of kind of chuckle, chuckle at myself and like kind of be nice, but kind of in a real way. Yeah. Not overly like, nice. yeah, I fucked up. Yeah. Whatever. Yeah. And just kind of laugh about it. Uh huh. And I thought to myself, wow, if, if I could just have that perspective all the time. Yeah. It would be amazing or or not all the time, but more of the time. Yeah. And that's how that this idea of mysticism mm-hmm. and this idea of connectedness um, helps me in yeah. my life. You know? Yeah, I think that's one of the big lessons I learned, too, when I was looking into mysticism is, you know, like you it's exactly what you're describing. This idea of, you know, let's say you hit your your thumb with a hammer. Yeah. The, the first thing you're going to do is the right. Or let's say you, you're holding the hammer in your right hand. You hit your th- your left thumb with the hammer. The mm-hmm. first thing you're going to do, the right hand is going to drop, drop the, the hammer. hammer. Yeah. And you're going to grab your thumb with your right hand because that's you aiding yourself embracing right? yourself and yeah taking care of yourself but if the right hand and the left hand thought that they were separate entities mm-hmm. that they weren't part of the same thing then they wouldn't even there would be no concern but yeah. since you have this we have this nervous system that connects them yeah you know um and there's an unseen nervous system that yeah. i think that that uh that connects us all yeah um and this is going into a little of that woo-woo space. Right. But um, there seems to be uh, a connection. Yeah. Well, it's kind of one of those things that we all know it's there. Yeah. We can't explain it. We can't use words to, like, you know, really make it make sense. Right. We're but you can to, experience it. But you can experience it. Yeah. And that's the point of the the the, uh, the mystery experience or the, or as Tim calls it, the mystery experience. Mm-hmm. A lot of people call it the mystical experience. The point of it is, is that you can experience it. Yep. And, you know, we both have experienced it via the aid of um, exterior, external, Mm -hmm. chemical um, help. Assistance. (laughs) Assistance. And um, so we know what, what what it feels like, what it is, this notion of one, Mm -hmm. this absurd notion of one. Yep. Um, But you can't explain it to other people. No, and it it isn't one that it isn't something that needs to be explained. But one of the things Tim does, which is incredible, is okay. First of all, let me go back to him. Okay, he's 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 an author. Uh, he's written over thirty books on various topics such as Gnosticism and and um, mysticism and religion, history mm-hmm. of religion, um, all that kind of stuff. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Philosophy, the, probably the mystery cults, like. You know the groups that were, uh, yeah, possibly. I haven't I haven't read all of his books, okay. <laughs> but I have read a couple of them, and I actually own a few of them. And um, that that tends to be the direction yeah. he goes. Uh, each book is totally different. Some of them are more historical by nature. Some of them are showing the allegorical nature of the Bible and things like that. And anyways, but um, so he's he calls himself a stand up philosopher. So he he actually gets up and does like a performance. Mm. But the performance is about philosophy and kind of teaching people what he knows about it. Hmm. So that's one thing that he does. He's an author. He's a performer. And he also um, does these uh, uh, weekend retreats called the Mystery Experience. Uh And he gets people together and he gets them to do, um, you know, various exercises, kind of like we've been through before a Mm -hmm. little bit, probably, but different. Mm -hmm. And um, helps them kind of tap into that same experience that we've had Mm -hmm. and uh, help them see kind of 
reality or consciousness or whatever you want to call it from Mm -hmm. this different perspective. But he's funny because he's not like woo woo at all. He's like a real dude. Right. He's pretty straightforward. And he's not trying to be a guru and he's not trying to be a spiritual teacher or anything like that at all. He's actually just saying, you know, here's the philosophical reasons why I've come to these conclusions. Here's the, you know, even goes into some, a little bit of like quantum theory and stuff like that, but Mm -hmm. not like Deepak Chopra level. No, no, that woo woo. (laughs) And he, he just kind of, he just kind of helps take you there. And um, so, yeah, I'm, I'm could not be more excited to talk to this dude. Well, let's get on with it. All right. Well, ladies and gentlemen, we're getting ready to call him. Uh, Stay tuned on the other side of this uh, commercial break. We'll be right back. Hello there. It is I, the Oracle. I'm pleased to announce the formation of a new spiritual community known only as Vast. The mission of Vast is simple. We want to make getting married easy, special, and amazing. Our easy online ordination process will have you officiating a wedding in no time. Do you have other options? Sure. Can you get ordained on other websites? Absolutely. But why would you wanna? Vast has everything you would want at the most affordable price. Free. The troops are gathering. The mechanism is in place. The bell will ring shortly. So head over to vast.church and get yourself ordained. Hello. Tim. Hi. Hey, this is Thad and Brad Grace. How's it going? Very good. Nice to speak to you. Can you hear me okay? Yes, we can. Loud and clear. Can you hear us? Great. Hello, Tim. I can. I can. Hi. <laughs> it's going to feel a little bit weird to you because there's you know, two of us but one voice. We have a very similar voice. So. It's, it's very paralogical in nature, if you know what I'm saying. Well, funnily enough, I, uh, you may know I, I write a lot of books with a dear friend of mine I've known since I was at school called Peter Gandhi. Yes. And sometimes, sometimes my mum, when she was alive, couldn't tell us apart on the phone. Oh, so really? I've kind of, so I have some knowledge. That's great. That's funny. So you're in Glastonbury, right? I am. That's right. <laughs> yeah. Isn't that... I, I, being from the U.S., we're in Portland, Oregon, um, right? And 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 I don't know that much about Glastonbury, but I, but I've looked it up a little bit. It sounds like the kind of hub or of like New Age thinking, spirituality, and kind of out there sort of people. It is really. I mean, I mean, I'm a local. I mean, I grew up not very far away. I, I didn't move here because it's the heart chakra of the universe, although a lot of people do. <laughs> Um, but uh, it's a quirky little place. What I love, it's very small. We have the biggest um, music and arts festival in Europe here uh, once a year, which is huge. So, I mean, literally a, a city appears from nowhere, wow. which is amazing. Um, and it's, it's a very, it, it's, you know, it's, a, it's rural England. And yet it's also very cosmopolitan because it's, a, it's always been this centre. It used to have the largest abbey in Europe before Henry VIII had it pulled down. 
So it's 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 been a center for pagan thought and then Christian thought and and now yeah there's you know you can walk up and down the high street and buy every sort of new age book and yoga mat but you can't buy socks or saucepans. You know? It's it's, <laughs> that, it's one of those places. That actually sounds a lot like where we're from. I don't know if you've uh, uh, been to Portland, Oregon, or have heard that much about it, but there's even a, a show now on TV called Portlandia that's that's about our town and and they cover a lot of funny stuff like that. How fantastic. Yeah, I've often thought we should do it with Glastonbury. The good side of it is that uh, what I love is that, you know, and people do walk up and down the town in the, dressed up in the most outrageous things you can imagine. And no one, no one turns their head. Amazing. It's like you can be whatever you want in this town. Wow. And that's kind of sweet. That's cool. That's great. Hey, um, I, I guess we just wanted to call you and talk to you about, uh, you know, the, the topic of mysticism. And we know that you're, uh, you know, a little bit about that. Uh, more than most. Yep. <laughs> and uh, so we're excited to talk to you about that. But we also wanted to talk to you about um, your mystery experience uh, website and the things that you kind of provide through that and the, the new book mm -hmm. that you're talking about. So why don't we go ahead and just get started? And what can you tell us a little bit about what uh, what mysticism is and um, kind of your experience with that? Yeah, I mean, it's a difficult word and one which I used to use a lot and use a lot, don't use very much now. Yeah. Uh, it's a it's a traditional word, and like most traditional language in this area, it's it's got so old that it kind of smells funny and and, and yeah. sets up the wrong idea. What I mean, what I'm interested in, is the way that states of consciousness uh, affect perception, and the way that I, my experience of being alive isn't that there is a, a given world which I can, I just perceive. It's actually what I, what, I, what I experience life to be seems to also depend on the state I'm in. And what's been central to the, my own strange journey through this mysterious place has been um, stepping in quite early on in my life as a child to states which I now call being deep awake, where I felt catapulted into an altered state and perceived reality in such a profoundly different way um, you know, which, which for me was marked by what I would now call oneness and a sense of connectedness or, or love. And, and then that led me to study all of these different, what are mystical, the mystical heart of all the different spiritual traditions of the world, um, where it seems to be human beings have been having this experience for a very, very long time and doing their best to understand it, cultivate it and share it. And that's been the, the, of such compulsive interest to me that I've kind of spent my life exploring those states and sharing them with others and seeing what they make of them. That's great. Yeah, I was talking earlier when we did the introduction about um, kind of the practical nature of this type of uh, way of thinking and experiencing the world where I came across this guy in this car and I looked at him and he kind of honked at me and he was, we had a little bit of a negative interaction. And I looked at him and I was like, what if that's me? What, what if I am that person? And what would I say to myself if that were me? And um, I just kind of came to the conclusion I'd probably just smile and laugh because, you know, it's me. And if, I, if you can just look at more people that way, it just seems like that seems to be like one of the lessons out of it. Absolutely. I mean, there's a lovely, I'm, you made me remember an experience I had many years ago in one of our local beautiful cities of Bath. And just, it was, was this oneness just came in very strongly and it was that exactly what I described. I was just looking around, and a very 
a very real sense of looking, oh, look how beautiful I look over there. Look how interesting I look over there. Look how angry I look over there. And this kind of connectedness where you don't feel like, like there is separateness, but there's also connectedness as well. Right. And that is a profound shift in perception. Yes. Yeah. Tell us a little bit about um, uh, paralogical thinking and, and, and your, your take on that and how you've kind of elaborated that. Yeah, I mean, the, the, the journey I've been making, uh, having gone, my first period really was about, especially as a writer, was writing a lot of books going, hey, guys, look, there is a kind of a human experience at the heart of all of these mystical traditions, whether we're talking about the Sufis or the Zen people or whoever they are, the Taoists, there's kind of something similar. And then the last period, I guess the last 15 years particularly, have been about how can we articulate this now? And how can, you know, in a very personal sense, how can I articulate it in a way which is authentic to my actual experience and, and hopefully in a way that helps other people? And the center of it, if you, if, if, uh, as you've just said, is what I ended up calling paralogical thinking or the paralogical method, which is based on a perception which seems central to me, as it has been to many uh, philosophers before, which is that, that life seems inherently paradoxical. And that therefore you need to be able to perceive it from complementary opposite perspectives. Now, the, the actual example that I come in on in my book, The Mystery Experience, is to take an example from science because I think it's important to you know look at the scientific perspective as well. So, and and the, the beautiful example from that is Niels Bohr's uh, theory of complementarity, which is the same thing in a scientific sense. He he came up with this, applied it to all of life, but his his starting place was the nature of light. And the famous double slit experiment, whereby we discovered that light can behave as if it's made up of particles, and it can also behave as, as if it's a wave. And, and what he, as a scientist, made of that paradox was to say it's both of those depending on how you look at it. Mm -hmm. And that is very similar from a scientific perspective of where I've ended up from a more inward spiritual perspective of going, oh, right, everything seems to have this quality of being paradoxical depending on how you look at it. And the most important example of that for me is our actual human identity. Right. And the, the, the secret to understanding the, the mystical experience, if you will, the deep awake state, is to see that it's about experiencing two opposite poles of your identity. And at the moment, we tend to miss one of them which is, and, and the awakening, as it's called, is about noticing the other pole. Yes. So, I mean, I can describe, if you'd like me to describe those poles, yeah, I yeah, can, but I don't. Yeah. I, okay. I, I heard so, you describe it in a different um, interview. You were talking about the outward nature and then the inward nature, and you were kind of comparing. Um, well, that, that's a good place to start. Maybe I should start there and go, look, sitting here now talking to you, I'm, I'm aware of one very obvious paradox, which is that I can I can look at, life objectively by looking out into my sensation out into the world and ask what is it and i think that's what fundamentally what science does and that's why it's such an incredible thing it looks out into the world we all share and it looks for things we can all agree on through experiment and go what is it what is it what is it what spirituality or mysticism or does i don't like either of those words much because they carry so much baggage but that yeah. other thing is yeah is look inside or subjectively and go, who am I? So science is going, who, what is it? What is it? And spirituality is going, who am I? Who am I? Or who is, who is, who is experiencing this? What, what is it that's experiencing this? 
So one is going, what am I experiencing? The other is going, what, who is the experiencer? And both those two fit together perfectly, I, I feel, because there, there, there are two ways of investigating things, this, this paradox of life. And far from being enemies, I think they should be, they should, they, they get on really, really well and they, they complement each other perfectly. Mm-hmm. And then when you do make that inner journey and you go, okay, so who am I? What I see when I'm sitting here right now again is that I, I, Tim is both an object and a subject. Right. Tim is both a body sitting here in a chair in, in Glastonbury and, and Tim is also the experiencer of this moment. He is also a thing like, you know, the I, whatever, the, that presence mm-hmm. which is experiencing this and that's when you start entering this deep mysticism which at first can sound um fanciful actually i think and confusing and like what does that possibly mean but actually if you if you if you hang with it and you and you look enough you spend enough time looking it becomes very obvious what it's about which is to say that the presence of the eye is not a thing the body is a thing but the eye is a nothing mm. the, the eye has no form because the eye or is the presence of what we might call awareness in the older traditions. It's spirit or nous or Atman or Buddha nature. But it's the presence of the experiencer, which has no form, because it's what's conscious of all the forms. So it's, it hasn't got a color, because it's conscious of all these colors. It hasn't got a shape, because it's conscious of all the shapes. It doesn't make a noise. It's conscious of all the, no- the sounds, and so on and so on. So you go, oh, look, in this moment, I'm a thing and a nothing. I'm a... I'm a body, I'm an it, and I'm an I. Uh, and the, what happens for most of us is we miss the I and really getting depths of identity. What do you think is it that uh, causes people to miss the I? Well, I think it's probably, actually, that's probably, it's more that the evolutionary process which life seems to be mm-hmm. is about evolving greater and greater consciousness. So I, it's not so much that we miss it, it's that we're evolving towards noticing it. And if you look at the evolution of human history, you can see a deep, above all else, it's a deepening of our consciousness. Mm-hmm. And that is, go- that is going on a pace right now. So that the more, that, and there's obviously, there's been sporadic individuals throughout it who have noticed these deeper states, but uh, it's, they, they seem to be emerging more and more. And, and, and states we take for granted now, levels of connection and compassion, for instance, that we just expect in, in, in our modern world which are unthinkable just 100 years ago, let alone 500 years ago. Yeah. So these, these new states are emerging all the time. Yeah, my brother and I experienced um, this mystical experience about, what was it, four years ago? Something like that. Uh, for the first time for real. When we, um, Fantastic. When we, when we uh, went to a weekend, we'll call it a retreat, <laughs> and um, we, we did it, uh, what is it, exogenously. We, 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 took, yeah. a, we okay. took a substance. And um, it was the first time that the the concepts that that I knew that because I've been kind of paying attention to you for since about 2006, and up until then they were just kind of concepts to me. They were like, oh, I, I kind of understand it; it makes sense to me. But until I actually experienced it for myself, it didn't really um, go deep. And yes, um, so we did it with with a chemical. But from what I understand with your mystery experience excursions, um, you're able to kind of take people there just through um, your own exercises. 
Yeah, I mean, and, and, and astonishing. I mean, I too have explored all sorts of um, chemicals and power plants and things, especially when I was much younger. I was just obsessed by doing anything to yeah. change consciousness and see what it would do. And they open up amazing states. Yeah. And I think, I think what you've got there is, again, the paradox. It's the, you can, the, the, the world is acting on me, uh, on my inner states and my soul, the inner. Oh, did we disconnect? And change the body state and it will change what you experience and that's what you're doing with power plants and substances so you're catapulting yourself into these other states so change your state the good thing about the working you know taking something is it's instant it's a great way to wake up for the first time yeah. um, it's not what happened for me but it, it is what happened for an awful lot of people I know. it's a very good way to do that because yeah. it just takes you and you go oh i see yeah. Then I think the journey starts to go. Okay, well, how can I how can I develop those states from the inside out? Yeah. And what has astonished me, my friends, is that I mean I've done these. Well, I've changed the name of them literally. We've just launched a new website just last week. Oh. Uh, Timfreak.com. It's a whole new website. It's fantastic. And part of that has been relanguaging things. So I'm now calling the events of the deep awakening because it's simply it just describes it so well and i've just done one in glastonbury here i'm coming to the states in october to do one there and what i see is that nearly everyone goes into that mystical state to some degree but definitely goes into it and and nearly and some people go right in i mean people have the most important time day of their life because you know you get that awakening. We've got a lovely um, a testimony a, a video which someone just sent me um, from a guy who'd come and really had the same thing that you're describing. I get this in ideas, kind of, but where's the experience? Yeah. And think like many people didn't think it would happen to them. Right. And then bang, there you go. You just go through and there's this enormous oneness. And more than anything, it's love, this incredible yes. love. Yeah. And, and you can't miss that because it just hits you right in the body. I mean, it just comes right down into you. Yeah. It's not, you can't, I mean, people do say to me sometimes, when I get it, will I know? <laughs> it's yeah, just like, yeah. you'll know, trust me. <laughs> yeah. and you for, won't miss this. <laughs> no. And for me, kind of speaking of paralogically speaking, when, when I have come back from this and, you know, I live my life on a daily basis now, the thing that it's done for me more than anything is it's actually made me like a love and appreciate and like just be astounded by life more than I ever could have been before that because when you feel this sort of separateness and togetherness with everything and you come back to this kind of separateness all of a sudden I just have such a deeper level of appreciation for it and I don't know if that's something that you've experienced as oh well absolutely and I, I mean it, it, I can't tell you how delighted I am to hear you say that one of the things for me is that I I, I, I really you know, the, the spirituality I grew up around when I was in my 20s was influenced a lot by Indian spirituality and, and various old traditions. And it was fundamentally anti-life. There was a strong feeling of this was something to get away from, an illusion to leave behind. Tim was a, the separate Tim was some sort of burden or he was a mistake or something to die or transcend. My experience has always been, and more so now than ever, and what I love about the people that come to my Deep Awakening events is the more you wake up to the oneness, the more you fall in love with the separateness. Yeah. And the more empowered you feel and the more you can see the mystery of life all around you. So your, your, your perception, my perception, and the, the, just the sensation comes alive as well. I mean, it's yeah. intensely pleasurable and beautiful. 
and, and that to me is everything, that we can come into this life that we already have and notice what a miracle it is and, and how much we don't understand it and how open-ended it is and, and what a journey we're on. Yeah. Just, you know, and just appreciate that. Yeah, the Eastern uh, traditions seem to focus on sort of destroying or killing the ego in some way. And uh, this new take um, is more about integrating the ego into the whole situation and not about destroying it. A absolutely. It feels like the, you know, the ego for me is the hero, not the villain. The, right. We need the separateness to make us conscious at all. So the universe or the oneness or the big mind or whatever name you give to the ground of being is right now become conscious through Tim and through Brad and through Ch uh, um, Brad. Fad and, and Brad and Fad. Yeah. And that's because I love it, by the way. And, the, uh, you know, that's through the separateness, the one has taken a perspective on itself. So that separateness, far from being a problem, is a kind of a, a foundation for consciousness. Yeah. And each one of us gets to work on this one part of reality, which we call ourself. Mm -hmm. And what a delight that is to be able to do that. And, and how wonderful that we're so different. And, and we can meet each other and, and share the journey. Yeah. So I'm, I'm a big fan of separateness. So that's the odd thing. I, I really want to celebrate the separateness because the oneness makes me want to do that. Yeah. So what what is your... Um... What are you working on right now? Are you working on a new book? Are you? <gasps> I am. I am. It's just taking possession of me. Yes. Oh, nice. It's just, it, it is just, just come and got me this year, really. And it's, and, and so it's, I'm, I, I'm pretty much consumed by the ideas. Yes. I'm working on a book. The provisional title is Soul Formation, The Meaning of Life. Okay. And that's a big, that's it, a big, uh, that's a big task to take on, <laughs> isn't it? Isn't it? I know, and I and the I love the title because I, I I'm presuming it's the same in the states, but over here there's a kind of feeling of um, no one talks about life having meaning. Right. Uh, there's kind of it's kind of you know it's a joke. It's right. funny. It, yeah. You know, who knows? It's ridiculous, and and I think it stems from this underlying what I would call objectivist philosophy, which has seeped into certainly into the intelligentsia, people who, who feel they are educated. I think now there's a sneaking suspicion that really we are clever monkeys clinging to a rock, hurtling through the universe for no apparent reason, heading to nothing. Mm -hmm. And uh, that's all we can say. And my own experience of life is just that is not true, right. that, that actually this journey we're on is intensely significant and that there is much more to be discovered than that. So I, I feel like I, I've got some important things to say about meaning, and I've got some important things to say about life and death. And so I, I really feel excited by having a taking on some taboos and being able to present. I guess part of what I want to do is to go, look, you can be intelligent and rational and a, you know, a thoughtful, educated person. You don't have to adopt an objectivist philosophy that says all that exists is the objective world mm -hmm. because you're experiencing the subjective world right now. And it's the most important thing about your experience. And so we need to honor that as well. And, and this creeping kind of reductionist objectivism will leave us literally soulless without any meaning in our lives. And actually, my experience is not that, that it's rich, rich, rich with meaning. And the mystical experience, as you called it, so, you know, is, is the thing which shows that to me. And then my job as a philosopher is to try and articulate those intuitions in a way that are credible, which it doesn't turn into wishy-washy new age baloney. 
but which can actually be something that intelligent people can consider and go, yeah, maybe I can see that. Yeah. I like that because it makes it more tangible for just, you know, people who aren't woo woo types, you know, people. Exactly. And the great problem, you know, with making any of this um, credible is on the one hand, you've got traditional religion, which I think is, you know, thoroughly discredited and, 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 and possibly mainly dangerous. Yeah. And then, You've got very well-meaning things that I'm surrounded with here in Glastonbury, uh, mainly very benign, but n not very grounded and, and unable to have a conversation with the rest of the human adventure. Mm -hmm. So I love what, what science has done um, and want to have a conversation with it. What I don't like is the philosophy which people mistake for, for science. And uh, that I, I want to present an alternative to, which can speak to these these experiences that I have on in mystical states or from indeed power plants and all the rest of it, where you just go, oh my God, there's a whole other world here. Yeah, it seems to me like there's this new, like there, it's not new, but it's like a, a another wave um, from what was happening like in the 60s um, with the kind of hallucinogenic um subculture that was going on then it seems like there's like a whole new wave of that happening now except for in the united states it's almost like underground because of what happened in the 60s and 70s and then you know the reagans came in and then just say no happened and then all of a sudden we had a war on drugs and everything everybody was freaking out about it and so it had to go underground but it seems to me like there's this whole new wave of this activity it looks to me like that too and it, and and I mean, it'd be interesting to see your perception on this, but the thing which I've noticed is that, you know, they had the LSD experience in the 60s and the 70s, which I caught the tail end of. That was amazing. Then there was the ecstasy coming through, the rave scene, and I was involved with that, and that was amazing. And then it seemed to go very cold. And then the most unexpected to me, but delightful, this emergence of ayahuasca yeah. as... Just extraordinary, just extraordinary. Because the great, the great thing which was missing from both of the previous things, or it started with them, but then they lost it, was that the, the whole experience became totally recreational, which took away that deep connection, which allows the experience to show you deep things. Yeah. So although people obviously did have deep experiences, they made it difficult for themselves. Whereas the ayahuasca seems to have been existing, it seems to be coming through in a ceremonial context and yeah. connecting back to some very primal um racial not racial but human memories yeah. um so that's interesting is that yeah. is, is that your perception too yeah i think so um yeah as a matter of fact in portland where we are at we have a uh, santo daime church it's the only ah. one in, it's the only one in the united states so well it, oregon actually had a had a court case uh, a number of years ago where it went to the the state supreme court and uh, there's this organization santo daime who uses ayahuasca they call it the daime and uh, it's now legal for them to use for their ceremonial practices here in in oregon yeah so yeah the ayahuasca thing is definitely the um a very much talked about topic yeah. here, but not just ayahuasca. I would say um, dimethyltryptamine, both in the NN and 5-MeO state as well. Okay. It seems to be those those things are yeah are definitely on the rise. Here's something, um, Tim. Uh, related, uh, we just had a interview with someone from uh, Freemasonry, from this weird French branch of Freemasonry, 
and we were talking about the connection to the uh, ancient mystery schools. And I was hoping we could get you to, to talk about that and, and also this connection to, uh, you know, ayahuasca and, and that, that type of stuff. Okay. What, was something in particular you wanted me to, to address? I'm well, very happy to do that. The Freemasonry sort of, they claimed a influence from the ancient mystery schools. Um, yep. And if that's something you know something about, uh, it'd be great to, to hear about that connection. And then also the mystery schools I know would use different forms of, uh, you know, intoxicants Sacraments. To, to bring on these experiences. Well, um, uh, certainly, um, Freemasonry wants to trace it back to the ancient mysteries, right. whether there is, whether it's a direct line or like so many of like the Druids in this country and all the rest of it, whether it's a fantasy line is hard to say. I uh, certainly, you know, there seems to be an influence from people like Giordano Bruno. He is clearly like many of the Renaissance thinkers, completely immersed in, uh, pagan philosophy and it, the rediscovery or well, the Renaissance, the rebirth of um, pagan paganism and pagan philosophy in its deepest sense, Platonic philosophy, the Hermetica and so forth. So whether it's direct or not, there's it's definitely a link. And then if you go back, um, I mean, well, you know, <laughs> of course, the, the other line, which is a whole nother conversation, is that the work I did on, on Christianity and its origins mm -hmm. in paganism suggests that it's all one thing anyway, yeah. that we've, you know, the whole thing is one thing. Um, and you go back to the, and I think the, it's a really interesting question about what they were using in the mysteries. I mean, the truth is we don't know, because although the mysteries like Lucifer were practiced for a thousand years, they left us really very, very little. They kept the secret well. However, there are lots of hints. I mean, there's one guy who we hear about who I think was actually attacked and put to death for celebrating the mysteries outside of a sacred context. And the way that you read it, it does sound like somebody who's taking something at home with his mates and really shouldn't. I mean, it, and, and is, and is uh, upsetting a lot of people. Um, so what they're using, hard to say. I mean, you go back to ancient Egypt, they seem to be using the blue lotus. Um, there seems to be various things which could be being used. In the, I, I mean, if I had to put money on it, I would be astonished if they're not using something. Um, they, it seems to be the most obvious thing. I remember um, the late, great Terence McKenna um, talking with Terence and, and about how, you know, how crazy it is that people talk about, uh, they often do, about, oh, it's a bit unnatural taking these drugs and, as, and, and the better to do it through meditation. I mean, I, I've done both and think they're both amazing, but... I mean, the other, the opposite is true. You know, there's nothing more natural than than kneeling down on the ground and picking up a mushroom and popping it in your mouth. Yeah, and that's completely natural. Um, sitting for hours, sitting in front of a white wall, is a trifle unnatural in comparison. <laughs> you know? So, um, you know, I, I I think the most likely thing is that all of this emerged originally from natural sources. Yeah. That that's what catapulted human beings. Well, Terence McKenna, of course, believed that the whole of consciousness arrived, yeah. arose because of it. So, yeah. Your, so um, your connection with some with various people, which I which I know about just from listening to a few interviews that you've done and, and reading a little bit about you, your connection with all these people is just astounding to me because um, I came about knowing who you are just by random, just literally randomly. It just kind of the absurd notion of one video popped up on my YouTube stream and I watched it and I was like, whoa, this guy's definitely talking about something up my alley. And at the same time. <laughs> I was, you know, listening to McKenna and a few other people, and I'm just like, wow, it's so crazy the way this is all connected. 
it's so amazing how um, it just how random that is or serendipitous that is that you popped up on my stream like that. And then I look back <laughs> at your like your career as an author and like kind of the things that you you wrote about initially and and the evolution of your um, your authorship and the direction that you're going to. And, and I just see this like full circle happening. And I don't know, I just, I just, the whole thing seems really cool. And it, I'm just so excited that I'm finally able to talk to you. Um, and well, it's, the, it's exactly these sort of things which make me feel like life is an intensely meaningful yeah. journey. Yeah. Because, you know, it, it, it seems like these patterns reveal things, they lead us places, yes. that, they're, that the more awake you become, the more dreamlike reality becomes. And that's something you certainly perceive if you enter these shamanic states, yeah. because then it becomes very, very dreamlike. And, and, and those states are available to everyone, and, and you do see a dimension of life that you otherwise miss. So life, the very same experience can be had as something quite mechanical and drab and yet wake up and suddenly it's sparkling and magic's happening and connections are being made and you're off on a whole different thing yeah that's so crazy it is crazy isn't it <laughs> so do you have any of your um, do you have your any of your um mystery experience uh i don't know what to call it is it a seminar or is it a just well, we were, we were, they were being called the Mystery Experience Retreat. And okay. the fact is, I, you know, because there's not a word I like. And they're kind of a retreat because you retreat from life in a sense. But also retreat, I don't like the word because it, it's, so, it's more like a celebration. So yeah. I'm now calling them simply the Deep Awakening. Okay. And they are kind of cross between a retreat and a celebration. And um, I've, I've got one coming up in the States, in Asheville, in um, oh. October. <laughs> It'd be lovely to see you both. Uh, oh, second yeah. to the... You want to hear something really crazy? I was yes. just, when we were getting ready to call you, um, I was just telling my brother about how you're from Glastonbury and how, <laughs> this is so weird, and how um, it seems like Glastonbury is like the, the, the British version of Asheville. <laughs> so it's weird that, yeah, he was, and he was saying that he was going to ask you about, the, about that and if you had heard of Asheville. <laughs> Well, I have now because I'm going there. <laughs> it looks like we're going to have to see if we can make it there. <laughs> oh, that would be that would be great. Yeah, we're gonna uh, we're gonna. That's the. We, I've just had one in uh, earlier this year in Las Vegas, and I'm gonna. I've been invited to Asheville by one of the guys, a gentleman who came there. Nice. Um, uh, yeah. So we're gonna do. We're gonna go there and and play and and you know for me these are these events are the same. I mean the writing. I I love it all really. Yeah. But th what I try to do with the with the deep awakening is to bring people together and convey some very simple ideas which can change how they're experiencing reality there and then, and then do some things together which just transform consciousness. And we build up to a special thing I call the big love immersion, which we do on a Saturday night. And it's just very, very, very special. Mm -hmm. And everyone just bang. It just you find yourself you just find yourself in this other state and it's very you know, it's just delicious, but it's also profound. And, and I mean, I don't know who will turn up in Asheville, but I, but so far what I love is that because I'm very heart centered, uh, I get a lot of people who are, who get that, but because I'm a philosopher, I get a lot of people who are into thinking yeah. and, um, you know, and because I do a lot of practices, there are people who are practical and because I'm into writing, I get readers and, 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 and I get men, I get loads of women, I get both, I get young, I get old. I mean, we've had from 13 to 87, all the people, I mean, just in Glastonbury, just this last thing, we had 30 something of us and we had people from, 
seven or eight different countries. So you get such a different cross-section of people. And that's just delicious because if we can find a oneness with that range of approaches to life, everyone can emerge from that feeling validated in their own uniqueness. And that's what really matters to me. So are these um, experiences like a just a variety of um, exercises and meditation and stuff combined with talks that you're giving or how, how does it work? Well, the, the, there is, there's a, um, the, the, there's the paralogical philosophy, which is about looking at your identity. And I put, try and put in some key ideas. We've touched on a little bit of them at the beginning, which once you get them, most people start and they kind of get them. And then there comes a moment where they go, Oh, I get it. And then suddenly you really see things in a different way. So there's that. I mean, I'm, I'm very involved, you know, I'm not somebody who stands on the sidelines. I'm right in there the whole time and so we can chat and hang out and I want everyone to relax and be themselves. Yeah. But I want them to find out how deep their self is so they can really be themselves. And if we do that, then we can all one of the things, you know, when I talked about the polarity of identity is that it means that we can find this deep oneness in each other and then be the separateness. So I can just be Tim. I don't have to make myself anything special. I can just be Tim. And I can also be aware of this deep oneness and then I can meet you and, uh, you know, there's Thad and, and I can see the deep oneness and there's Brad and I can see the deep oneness and we can meet as we really are. And so there's a huge relaxation that happens very quickly. And uh, so people find a place where they can be authentic. And then what I do with people is what I call soul to soul meditations, which involve connecting with that deep oneness in each other, not just in ourselves. And that's where the real transformation takes place. Mm -hmm. And you can do that. I do that just through the senses. So listening to each other, looking at each other, gazing, um, touching each other's fingertips, just being able to go, right, when I, I mean, I, you know, I can't see you right now, but I can hear you. And when I hear your voice, I'm hearing sound being made by your mouths sent to me electronically, but that's essentially what's happening. But what I'm connecting with through the sound you make is something I can't hear. I'm connecting with conscious being, which is sending a message to me, and now I'm doing it right now. What you're connecting with through this, these funny noises I'm making with my mouth is, the, is a conscious being that's, that's sending this message to you. And if we reach through the appearances and connect with the depth of being through the appearances, consciousness changes. Wow. I love it. <laughs> hey, um, let's uh, kind of end on that, but before we end, why don't you um... – give our listeners kind of a way to get a hold of you or um, a way to see you and a way to hear you. Sure. Well, I've, I've literally launched this new website, as I just mentioned. So I'm delighted to say if you just uh, put in Tim Freak, uh, as long as you spell it F-R-E-K-E, it's a weird name, but there you go. I was blessed with it. Um, yeah, it, it's an old West Country of England name, Tim Freak. And I like, based on your paralogical uh, perspective, that you're both Tim Freak and Freaky Tim. <laughs> you're so right. <laughs> so if you go to timfreak.com, you'll find, I think it's like something like 27 hours of video and audio that people can watch and explore. You can reach me through it. You can find out the events I'm doing. I'm going to be doing some online sooner or later, as soon as I get some moments as well, so people can connect. And, uh, you know, I'm very, you know, my, my, my purpose in life is just to share this with as many people as I can before I leave. Yes. And that's it. Well, simple uh, as that. You're doing a great job and you've definitely affected uh, my, my life and I much appreciate it. Oh, well, I'm delighted. Thank you for telling me. Well, thanks for being on the podcast, Tim. And hopefully we'll keep in touch. And we're definitely going to look into seeing if we can um, make it to your um, deep, what was it? The deep, 
The deep, the deep awakening. The deep awakening in uh, Asheville. That would be ridiculous. Great. There's, and on the, on the website, you'll see, and, and your listeners can see, there is a, the information about exactly what happens. You know, you can find it, you know, so you can feel out, is this for me? Um, but what I would say is so far, it's been for everyone who's come, I think, mm. because it's, you know, it, 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 there's, because it's, it's not about being a certain type of person. It's not about having to believe anything in particular. It's about having an openness to explore and to see what you experience. Yes. Thank you so much, Tim. Thank you. We Lovely will, to speak to you both. You too. We will talk to you soon. Thank you. All right. Take care. Thank you. Thank you for listening to the Evil Twin Podcast. To get the full Evil Twin experience, go to eviltwinpodcast.com and follow the guys on Instagram, Facebook, and Twitter at Evil Twin Podcast. If you really want to show your support, please subscribe, rate, and review our podcasts on iTunes. And remember, there's ever a unit of the truth that makes there's no more